1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards, only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hello and welcome along to Paper Talk Extra. The Irish Examiner's dedicated sports podcast with Peter McNamara. Today I'm joined by Mikey Sheen, Stephen Barry and Rob McNamara to discuss Ireland's heroics in Cardiff, the progression of Munster-based clubs in the Electricity League this season and later on we will look ahead to the Champions Cup in rugby. But we're going to begin today by discussing Ireland in Cardiff on Monday night and the implications of reaching a play-off for the World Cup. Mikey Sheehan, you were here last week and you said in fairness to you that Ireland could pull it off. Myself, Rob and Steve, well, certainly myself and Rob were less confident. So, go on, you can brag away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think I've done enough bragging now over the last few days. Um,
1: Ireland played to their strengths, absolutely played to their strengths. We spoke about this last week. If Ireland played to their strengths, they would have a chance. If they try to become something that they're absolutely not and that everybody seems to want them to be, then we w- we wouldn't have been we won't be in the position that we would have been we find ourselves in now if we would were trying to play the ball through the lines like Wales tried for the first twenty minutes, I think Wales would have picked us apart. Um, we played to our strengths. It's a long ball team play to that, and I think Murphy's introduction into the team uh, made like he ran all night. He didn't get he didn't get a sniff of goal, but he ran all night, um, and he was supported by five big powerful men in midfield. Not the greatest passing team, but who cares? We're where, where, where we would have taken at the start of the campaign so all this clamour for having Wes Hoolan in the team and you know Callum O'Dowda and all this kind of stuff no we went back to the basics of what Ireland can do and what will get us where we got to you know every time that we've got a big result whether it was against Germany last year Bosnia in the playoffs Italy um, during the European Championships and again here against Wales like yeah, four big victories by playing the way that Ireland should be playing rather than this Wes Hulin playing through the lines playing it down the channels you know in fairness Shane Long runs all day and, and he kind of got the same but he's just not a finisher and his record over the last 45-50 games proves that I think it's only one or two the odd goal in those games like that's that's not good enough Um, somebody who's scoring whether it be at the championship level it is actually a better option with the way we play Um, and, and that was seen against Macedonia and what he also provided to us on um on Monday night I I, I must say though and I, I mentioned it here last week I, I, I was on about leaders uh, and I was saying that we had lack leaders throughout the campaign um, and it, it's the one I did mention on uh, last week was Shane Duffy who was immense on Monday night and he was our leader but he was backed up by a person who hadn't been that prominent in the Irish team up until the last two games and David Myler so now you had a leader uh, in centre half you had a leader in the centre midfield and the, everyone else worked around it now I will I will not this isn't all positive. What if Ireland hadn't have scored in the fifty-fourth minute? Was there an an opportunity in the f- first fifty-four minutes before that? You know, if that ball didn't, if we didn't get that break, the poor clearance of Matthew Williams, uh, the poor play for Ben Davis. You know, would we could have been looking ahead a little because it really didn't look like Ireland were going to score. But mm. what we have been absolutely brilliant at is taking our chance, and I, I say this nearly in the singular because against Germany we got one chance against Italy apart from Hill, we got a minute where we had two chances uh, against Wales we had one chance we took them every time um, and, and that's economy at its best a, a huge credit to Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane on this I know there was people you know also looking for the not to be renewed they got the contracts I wouldn't have done it that way I'd say that but I think it's been justified
2: Stephen one element of um, Monday night's game that probably in hindsight has been overlooked in the fact that everyone's so happy, but the result from an Irish perspective, is basically Joe Allen went off injured. Himself and Ramsey, we were here watching the match Monday night, myself and Ramsey, or himself and Ramsey, I should say, were fairly dominant around the middle. How much of an influence in the game did that have, Wales losing Joe Allen?
0: Yeah, I think it was a big influence, all right. You saw, I suppose, the composure that they had on the ball in the first 20 minutes, that they were dominant, and they looked it looked, was one-way traffic. They looked like they were the only team that looked like even creating a chance for long periods of that game. And I suppose when, you ha- when they missed Allen, it took away that kind of leader in the area of the field, like David Myler was for Ireland, and they had to withdraw Ramsey back along the field as well, which kind of took away an attacking outlet. And Chris Coleman seemed to make a poor change there as well. It didn't really compensate for the loss but I mean it was typical in a way of the way Ireland did it it was about passion there was a lot of hard tackles and it was sort of put them under pressure stuff that I suppose has historically been linked with Irish football for decades now and it's not necessarily pretty and it did come down ultimately to one chance which you know may not have reflected the general play for much of the game But I suppose the one given you can take from this team is that they have a reaction and they can dig out results when things are going against them. After poor performances against Scotland and the Euros qualifying, beating Germany, coming back after being hammered by Belgium to get a result against a weak conditionally side and coming back to win the two games this week after poor performances against Georgia and Serbia. So it wasn't necessarily attractive but in the end it's effective and I mean it was a brilliant occasion and it gives us two more brilliant occasions at least to look forward to.
2: Rob, those two occasions will be against either Italy, Croatia, Denmark or Switzerland with the draw on Tuesday. Generally people around the country are suggesting that the best case scenario would be to get Denmark who in themselves are obviously no pushovers. Push, to be fair. Where do you lay? Where do you sit on that?
3: Um, well, yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely no mugs in that draw. Um, in fairness, when when you when you look at it, um, there's dangerous teams, um, all over the place. There, I mean, nobody wants to get Italy.
2: Um, Denmark could probably be the. Were, were you surprised, sorry, that Liam Brady suggested Italy would not want to face Ireland? Um. Not really, no. Um, because, I mean, you know, the
3: Italian game is much slower than the game in Britain and Ireland. Um, we play at a much faster tempo than they do. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there is an opportunity there to be exploited. But you have to understand, uh, and Liam Brady should know this the fact that he played in Italy for so long and has so much experience in that country. Technically, they're much, much better players. And tactically, they're, they're much more um, informed than Irish, Irish players. Um, so it, no matter who we get, is is it's going to be very difficult. And you know, I mean, look, I was very negative about Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane last week, and you know, fantastic they got the result on Monday night, and you know, applauded to them. But it's only job half done. I mean, why why we're celebrating like we're in the the World Cup is is beyond me. Like the I mean, the reaction of the players after the match, I presume, was one of relief rather than celebration because they were out on the pitch they were jumping up and down Roy Keane was hugging Martin O'Neill and, uh, you know I mean yeah okay it was it was a good result but I mean calm down a small bit like I mean we still have to navigate this playoff and we're by no means there like I mean it, it, there's some very very dangerous teams in there all teams that are probably technically with the exception of Denmark probably technically better than us and tactically better than us um, so you know, while it was, you know, a good night, it certainly wasn't a great night. They wouldn't put it down, you know, in the pantheon of great nights alongside, you know, Kevin Sheedy's goal in Italian 90 against England or, you know, knocking Romania out in Italian 90 or, you know, beating um, Italy in World Cup 94, you know. There's still an awful lot of work to be done and people are really forgetting about that.
2: Mikey?
1: Yeah, I, I'd have to I, I agree with Rob here on this one. Um, the job is... I I won't even say half done um, these four teams in the, in the, the seeded teams uh, I think they'll fancy playing Ireland um, I think they'll have a look at the Ireland team and kind of say what have we got to be scared of here they will obviously know about our heart our passion our hard work but they'll say look cut to the chase an opportunity to get the, uh, the, European, the, the World Cup in Russia and we have to go out and beat Republic of Ireland you know this team who are ranked X in the world who don't have any, uh, any superstar in their ranks you know, if you look at Denmark, Christian Eriksen, you know, a- a- alone, he- he's far superior than anything we've got and is a game changer and one moment of the magic, they score, I think like, you know, concede a goal, I think Ireland in trouble, it's when we don't concede that we have the opportunity, all these teams, uh, you're looking at Croatia with the Modric and uh, Denmark with Eriksen, Italy with what they can produce. If, uh, if they score a goal against us, I think we're in trouble, either home or away, You know, meaning that we need to score twice over two legs against a, a, a superior opposition. Um, but look, uh, the thing with the Ireland, and, and I think it's an acceptance that we have to have here now in this country, we started to become a small bit like some of the English fans, right? And if you look at the English qualifying record, and I don't, I'm not going to get into this very long, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just for the
2: record, folks, Rob is going to get up and leave the room there.
1: Right? right? No, no, I, I think they have eight wins two draws, and the three goals in qualifying. Is anyone there happy? Uh, does, judging by it, no. They walked away with their group. No one is happy. Because there is still this want in England to play like Spain. They can't accept that they have, they're limited by what they have. And they should be playing to that strength. And they top the group by playing to that strength. Not pretty, I'll give you that. But like, in Ireland, I think we just have to accept that this is the group of players that we have. And I would be critical of James McLean. in in terms of what he can... The amount of loose tackles, we'll call it. The amount of times he gives away the ball. The amount of headless running. Um, And and, and I'll invite Rob in 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 this conversation. But he comes up with these moments that have got us to where we are today. Uh, And, like, Rob, I know you're probably going to disagree with some of that, but I, I think that the acceptance of... is a big thing here. And I think after the weekend, Roy and Martin have proved that this is what we're good at. These are our strengths. This is what we should stick to. This is why we should be given the contract. Yes, we're bringing in players behind, but they're not. Some of those
3: aren't ready for it yet. And this is what we go with. Um. Like I mean, look. I know I've been extremely, extremely negative about Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, and and, and I still think a lot of the the criticism that I I give, I have been given them is justified. But on on Monday night, as Mikey has said, we played to our strengths, and it was the first time. In Martin O'Neill's tenure, that I really saw that he he trusted the players on the night. He said, you know, these are the players that I have, this is the system I'm going to play, I have to trust the players that they're going to carry out my instructions. Um you look at that team and you know, you think, you know, there are no superstars in there. Correct, there are no superstars in there. But there are leaders emerging in that team. Shane Duffy, you mentioned already Mikey had a superb mm-hmm. performance. James McLean, who, you know, from time to time does lose the the rag a small Mm -hmm. bit and will come in with these, you know, ridiculous tackles which get him into trouble. But, you know, he does come up with moments. The passion is absolutely oozing out of him. Jeff Hendrick, who's been on the scene for a while now, I thought the way he won the ball and got into the box for the goal was was absolutely superb. We shouldn't be surprised with that
2: though, because he had a really good Euros and he got injured after that not
3: Yeah but what I'm saying is that these players are now, have now been around the international scene for a while. You know, maybe they're not quite in the same league as the Damien Duffs and the Robbie Keynes and the players right. that we've had before mm. but there are leaders in the team, guys who know what it takes to play international football, even going back to Darren Randolph and Goals, and who, who for me has been Brilliant. faultless in his qualifying campaign, yep. and is not getting a game for his club, you know, um, there is there is positivity going forward, and if Martin O'Neill can continue to trust the players, in the same way, and as Mikey said, play to our strengths, you know, forget about trying to play, um, trying to play the, same the, way. Like the continental yeah. teams play through the lines and stuff you know, we will get results if we go back to that Jack Charlton, put him under pressure kind of vibe, you know, we will get the results from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, long term you'd like to see, I suppose, more a more expansive style, but definitely I think in the Sonny of tenure, I mean, it's been the way he's gone about it, It's he's picked big sides, sides that I suppose Gordon Strachan listening to him would be jealous of, um, like the likes of a Shane Duffy was a huge leader there, and I don't think we should have too much of a go at the players either for celebrating on the night because it was I mean for the group and in the context of the games that went before it it was a huge win and even in the context of getting out of the pool when Ireland would have been seeded what third coming into it yeah. it still is a big achievement to I suppose surpass Wales a team who were ultimately in the semi-finals of the Euros last summer so and I think morale is a big thing in that team as well because they are a team that is limited when you look at the stars that some of our opponents have. I know Mike, you mentioned Christian Eriksen, who we could come up against Luca Modric, the likes of the players that our potential opponents in the next round have. So I think the spirit and the togetherness in the team, and even to involve the fans with it in Cardiff the last night, was an important part of the night, and it added to the night I felt.
2: I'm going to go around the table so, lads, and look, Mikey... If you had a preference for any team out of a draw on Tuesday, who would you take? Um, <clears throat>
1: I would probably I, I'd be looking at Denmark or Italy. I think Switzerland, Switzerland have taken this approach where they get their teams ready for the big the big games. I, I don't think they play too many challenge or friendly matches as they call them anymore um they get ready for their big games now they lost away in portugal the other night but they up to was that rate, defeat? which i was just a, they, they were undefeated up until that in a, a, a tricky group in fact they won every game yeah and croatia just seemed to have a small bit of a meltdown against finland the week before uh, a few dodgy
2: results but like the I think quality, you can put that down to the fact that their manager we were just discussing this the other day. The manager got the bullet before the Ukraine game, so obviously there was going to happen. a hassle. There. there
1: was, and that's like when you look at the, the, the players like Persisic, um, uh, Mandzukic, Modric, like just the name three off the, off the top, Rakitic, you know, these are playing at the highest level in Europe. So I, I'd be trying to avoid Croatia and Switzerland. I think Italy, they seem to, or a Bogey team, or their or a Bogey team, the opposite way around, sorry. Um, but did Mark are the two you'd want to take, and I would have no fear I i have no fear with the way that this Irish team gets themselves ready for the
0: big games uh, going into any of those two counters. Dave? I'd take Denmark, I mean I think they lost to Montenegro at home during the group. They weren't all that convincing in their own group. And I didn't see Switzerland now the last night, but I heard even though they were nine out of nine before that, that they weren't particularly impressive against Portugal, so I mean I wouldn't mind them either. Croatia initially would be I think, a tough draws, but really Ireland could have a go at any of them, but definitely Denmark or
2: Switzerland, I'd be looking at.
3: It has to be Denmark. It has to be Denmark. Um,
2: for me, uh, Croatia... With we'll and if it isn't,
3: we don't have a chance? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think if we draw Croatia, then we're probably... As, as good as out because they have so many match winners um, as yeah, I said they're the ability to destroy us. as I said you know Italy as well um, you know they know how to qualify for big tournaments they know their players know all about big occasions Switzerland are up and coming mm-hmm. you know Denmark is probably the one that, probably you know the, the country that's closest to us in time in, in, in terms of style of football and um, and if we can nullify Christian Eriksen then maybe we have a chance yeah
2: Moving on from the discussion on Ireland, and Martin O'Neill's team heading into the playoff for World Cup 2018, we're going to discuss the Munster-based clubs in the Tricity League and the progression and the development of those four particular clubs, particularly this season. Cork City, of course, on the verge, as we speak on Thursday, uh, of winning the Premier Division and Waterford already have first division sewn up. We're going to begin by talking about City. Stephen, Cork City. This is Thursday, obviously. They're playing Bohemians on Friday night and Derry again on Monday night. You would imagine by the end of Monday night's game, it turns across, they will surely have the league wrapped up by that stage. Try and quantify that achievement by John Caulfield's side. Or is it something they really should have been doing, given that they've been knocking on the door now for a number of years? Well, I
0: suppose the consistency they've showed in the last number of years has been a big tribute to Caulfield's management because he came in and they were a mid-table side and to put, I suppose, second places to a good Dundalk team back-to-back for three years in a row, it's, it shows he's had good recruitment, and I suppose the thing you can always rely on in Cork is that you have good players coming through locally. So to have that mix, it's worked out very well this year, and just adding in, I suppose, ultimately, you have to mention very early the influence of Sean Maguire in that unbeaten 22-game run to start the season. I mean, it was close to record-setting stuff,
2: It's incredible that he's still the top scorer, in the league, even though Mm. he's gone now for some
0: time. I think he's four goals ahead with Dundalk of three games remaining for Dave McWilliam to catch him, so he still looks like he's going to be top scorer. And I mean, he's left an absence, or there's been, I suppose, a lack of a presence there since he's left because I looked at the form table for the eight games after he's gone, and City are ninth for the last eight games in the form table. They've picked up 10 points, I think, over eight games, which... I know they've had cup runs in the middle of that too, but it says a lot about, I suppose, their struggles to kind of fill his position. And they, have, they still have an exciting attack now that Stephen Dooley's back in there, Carl Shepard leading the line, and Kieran Sadler as well, who hasn't been a like for like replacement, but has definitely brought something to the team. So they still have that threat. And we saw in the game against Dundalk, where it looked like they would secure the league, how impressive they were for the first half, definitely. And they dominated that game. They dominated all over the field. They created chances, but just nothing that clear cut. And you saw. Even the goal itself was, in the end, put in the net by a Dundalk defender. So I suppose looking ahead, even, if we... I don't want to look too far ahead, because they still have to secure that title. But I suppose in the off-season, there will be a bit of work to be done there. But it has been a phenomenal season and fantastic memories for City fans and I suppose in the context of winning the league you have to look at how rarely the club has won it since they were formed in 1984 I mean twice in the 30 odd years since then so it's a great achievement and to be in a cup final as well on top of that
2: Rob, I want to ask you obviously as a Limerick man and a big Limerick supporter a big League of Ireland supporter um, I think it's, I think it's very important to acknowledge as kind of someone that's been down the cross a few times living in Cork now, there's one particular player for me in the League of Ireland this year who's been absolutely amazing, and that's McCormack in the field for Cork City.
3: Yeah, but if you look at the Cork City squad, they they, they, they appear to have backup all over, all over the place. I mean, Maguire left, and I know the goals have
2: dried up slightly. Well, in, oh, City, just to put it into perspective, before they played balls in this league... Game on Friday night. They scored
3: sixty four games yeah, and he's yeah. got a third of those goals. Yeah. Just under a third of those. I goals. mean, they, 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 I mean they've been grinding out one 0 wins, you know, two uh, 0 wins since 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 he left, uh, and have lost a couple of games as well. But they seem to have someone to come in, in basically in every you know position on the pitch um, to 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 replace guys that are injured or guys that that have moved on. And for me, it just looks like I mean, you were saying there maybe Cork should have achieved more over the last couple of years. Um, because they've been knocking on the door, but you have to remember that they were behind Dundalk, and Dundalk had the European money coming in as well, you know. And and Cork are going to get their hands on and on, on the big bucks with with the Champions League qualifying stages. Um, you know, Turners Cross is is by far and away the best um, ground in the league. Um, it's full practically, you know, every second week. Besides the FAI Cup semi-final when we came down with Limerick, and there didn't seem to be any any Cork fans there at all. But um, you know. I think the, I think the club is just is really really well run. They've got, you know, they've got a, a manager in place who who knows where he wants to go. He seems to have a plan in his head. They play exciting attacking football, which they haven't always played under John Caulfield, um, but they're really set up in future years to go on and dominate Irish football. It's whether, you know, any of the Dublin clubs can keep pace now with Dundalk and Cork, I think. um, I think it'll be those two battling it
0: out for the next few years. And the great thing as well is it's built on kind of young local talent. I know you mentioned McCormick in midfield who's been sensational, probably player of the season if you take out Maguire, being missing for the second half. But in there, with him in midfield, like Gary Buckley, Garod Morrissey, who would have come through with the club, even you look at when Kevin O'Connor departed at left-back, to have Shane Griffin coming in there. I know in that Limerick Cup semi-final, uh, another Cork U product, Shidozi Agbene, who's gone to Limerick, he was marked very tightly by Conor McCarthy, who's another great up-and-coming player who hasn't got a lot of starts this the season. And you Ryan Delaney coming in there as well, obviously, on loan, who's been crucial too. But mm. it's great to see the club is, I suppose, built on a lot of talent from around the county and around the south of Ireland too. And that helps for sustainability, I suppose, going into the future.
1: Yeah, and look, I'm not going to take it over at the interview interview route here, lads. But two, you are well versed in your League of Ireland soccer. And there are two things I, I'd like to just maybe flesh out with you guys is how does Cork, possibly as a city, but the, definitely the club, capitalize on this success? One, and number two, um, like we want to always improve the League of Ireland, and we want to see a lot more players coming through into the national side and go on play uh, across the. Across over in the UK uh, we don't see that too often uh, but it, it, it's quite obvious that like let's say Sean Maguire is well able for the championship and the upper echelons of the championship um, how come there isn't many more link-ups with cross-channel clubs in terms of them sending players over here to um, to learn their trade now obviously limited to two or three players because you don't want to be ruling out these cork players that are coming through and them not getting an opportunity but if you had a link up with maybe some of the lower premiership clubs or the top championship clubs sending players over here, learning their trade, staying here for a year and then going back with what they've learned and getting 20 or 30 league games under their belt, how come that I suppose, structure isn't there at the moment and is it something that could be actually worked on?
0: I suppose that mainly comes from the English club's end of things because it's not something they really would need to do, given like Shawnee McGuire would have gone abroad for 150000 roughly. Is what is considered so, and that would be probably relatively a high price for a League of Ireland player going abroad. So I suppose financially, English clubs wouldn't really need to take that step in but order to be able to profit off of League of Ireland clubs.
1: I, I suppose not even profit, but it's it's the using the loan system. We see Chelsea mm-hmm. have loaned out, or, or is it the English players think that their youth system and their under 17 or under 19 or under 21 system works better for them rather than sending them out to an Irish club for getting competitive action
2: well genuinely generally even the clubs in England would see playing in League 1 and League 2 as probably a better hunting ground for the players than it would be in League of Ireland even though the likes of Dundalk and City now going forward have been representing the country here in the Champions League and they've gained a bit of experience there but there would still be I would imagine Snobbery is probably a strong word, but a kind of a do they look down on the league? I'm Not sure. It's very hard to say to look down on it, but they probably don't see it as advantageous to send a player over here when they can just send him down the road to scar yeah, yeah. or whatever you know.
3: Mikey, you said there about how do how do how do Cork how do Cork um capitalize on the success. I t- I really do think that you know it's it's such a well run run club there's a lot of volunteerism that goes on around it. Mm-hmm. Um I think the club is exceeding expectations and so are Dundalk I mean you look at the performances that Dundalk put in in Europe last season and they were absolutely superb. Where 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 does further growth come from? Further growth comes from the FAI, and the only way that can come that, from, where, from, is from investment. Yeah. um In terms of in terms of um, you know English um, people in England known about you know the League of Ireland, they just don't know about it because it's not promoted enough. Um, Limerick have had quite a few uh, British managers come come in over the last few years. Stu Taylor, who was lucky enough to interview a good few times, and I sat down with him. And he he didn't know about Irish football. He was asking me about Irish football, you know. He didn't know the ins and outs of, of how things work. And Neil MacDonald has come in now as well, um, at Limerick, a former Oldham player, um, you know, heavily linked with um Joe Royal throughout his career. And and he 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 had no idea about Irish football yeah. before he came here because it's not on T V, it's it's not promoted, you don't see it. And I think the f- the first time that um, English people really became aware of of Irish football is when Shamrock Rovers played um, Spurs in the um, in the, the Europa League a, a few years that. ago, and and then we had Dundalk and their success last year. So it comes down to investment from the FAI and and <clears throat> possibly from the government as well. But the League of Ireland is a fantastic league. Don't mm. let anybody tell you any different. And there's some real, real quality players coming out of it. And uh, if we put money into it, we could have a, an absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, product here we really could Uh,
1: and and look and and that was the reason I asked those two questions I think they're intrinsically linked to investment at grassroots level by the
2: FAI as well as promotion of the game well it's not really even at grassroots level because they do put money to grassroots level they just don't seem to put enough into the actual senior clubs in, in the country
1: but but it doesn't seem. Well, to when you have John these. Delaney
2: earning more money than the prize money for the League of Ireland winners, uh, something wrong
1: there. I, I I think that that's, a, that's another topic of conversation. I, I I think the promotion of the game needs to to improve to get it to the level. You take GA for example, right? And I'm not going to this is it opens up a big can of worms. GA isn't played over in the UK, but it's available on the screens every Saturday and Sunday through Sky Sports.
3: Yeah, it's
0: a good point. It is hard to know too where to go. Or I've struggled with some of these kind of. General League of Ireland discussions because I know we're going to mention Cove in the conversation. But I saw I think they had their biggest game of the season and their manager Stephen Henderson was uh, tweeting that they had less than 200 there for their biggest game and he said we must be doing something drastically wrong. Even though I know Cove's promotion would be good, so it it can just be a struggle sometimes. Even though they've had success this year too, and. It is tough to know where to go with it bar just building up your base like Cork have and trying to, I suppose, build a club that isn't built on bringing in players. It's built on having a good local core and to try and bring in people that way through the turnstiles.
2: Rob, as we mentioned, you're a big Limerick fan. You go to a lot of the games, home and away. Can Limerick, Waterford and Cove, like we're going to discuss all the clubs, the four clubs, and can the other three clubs who are in obviously not as far down the developmental road as Cork City are can they learn from City and the way they run the club absolutely absolutely I think Limerick are probably a lot further
3: down the road than, than Cove and, and Waterford are there's massive potential in Waterford um, maybe not so much Cove because they're you know they're, they're battling with Cork City for basically bums on seats um, but in terms of Limerick um, you know I think there's a lot of great stuff going on in Limerick we've an absolutely superb owner and Paddy Sullivan has put a lot of his own money into the club we're back at the markets so, field, you know after <clears throat> after years of kind of meandering around the place we were at Toman park and jackman park and you know i remember standing on the the terrace in, in jackman park and thinking you know will we ever get out of here you know will we ever get out of this amateur ground and will the club ever move on um you know stuck in the the first division for for well over 20 years you know And since we have come back, it's been a bit of a yo-yo. I mean, I always say that being a Limerick fan is never easy, but it's always enjoyable. Um, You know, we had Stuart Taylor in as manager, and, you know, I don't know what happened really because things seemed to be going swimmingly, and then all of a sudden he was gone, you know. Um, Martin Russell came in then, and he tried to impose this kind of Mm. Barcelona-style football on us, which 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 didn't suit. And, you know, we ended up getting relegated because, you know, of his... uh, inability to, to stop the defence from trying to pass the ball out, you know, from from, from from the back, and we got caught so many times. We even got caught again last week against St. Pat's when Conan Byrne scored a goal, which was you know as a direct result of, of a sharp short pass being played by the central defender. Um as I said, we're back to Marcus Field now with fantastic um training ground up in Kilmallock as well. There's money being pumped into the club, um, there's scouts. We've brought in some absolutely superb players, Bastion R.E. who's uh, Superb, like I mean, the Dublin clubs and the dog and, and even Cork would be looking at him during 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 the, the break, and they'll mm. be wondering can they recruit him because
2: he's. I've seen him twice playing it across the this season. I thought he was fantastic. He's
3: absolutely running games. He really is. And and then there's there's Rodrigo Tossi you know, who came who just seemed to come out of nowhere. It was like a spaceship landed in Limerick, and you know he's been absolutely fantastic. He's Limerick's. He's Limerick's left-hand He's Limerick's Latan Ibrahimovic. He's, you know, he's not he's not the most mobile, but he creates chances for himself. You know, out of, out of nothing. You know, he did it in turns cross against against um against Cork in the FAI Cup semi final. There's a real great spine to the team now. There's you know Brendan Clark and goals, you know Shane Tracy playing full back. Then we've Shane Duggan and Lee Lynch in midfield. Lee Lynch has been an absolute revelation for me this season, an absolute superb player. And then we have Ogbeni who we got from Cork. In my time watching Limerick, he's he's the best player I've seen in a Limerick shirt um, and that's just based on one season He's he's got so much potential and I just worry that we might we might lose him you know we might lose him because other clubs are going to be looking at him because he's he's got a real potential he could go on and play in England you know maybe in the Championship um, he's that good Um so I think it's you know we're still suffering from the Martin O'Neill regime. Neil Macdonald has come in and he settled us a bit, but we're still in that relegation battle. You know we've got draw now coming up on Saturday and we've got away the week after, get six points from those two games and we're fine um, because we'll struggle going to, to Shamrock Rovers in the last game, last day of the season. Um, but you know if we can just get you know four or six points over those two games, we'll stay up. And Limerick deserves to stay up because it's a great club. Great volunteerism involved. Great fans. Um, you know, with superb ground now, uh, with potential for expansion, um, and it's it's all it's all going in an upward trajectory for Limerick. But we do need to stay in the Premier Division because if we go down, it's going to be a long haul to get back up, with with the with the reduced numbers in in promotion. So.
2: Course two two teams that are on the up we talked. we mentioned Waterford there, we come back to them. Cove Ramblers, Mikey, again another side in in the south of Ireland that are making great strides. Stephen mentioned Henderson's tweet, and the fairness to Henderson has been doing a lot and likes so a red FM are doing a lot of promote promote uh, Cove Ramblers yeah. here in Cork. But is it sometimes are they fighting, losing battles? These these teams that are trying to make a breakthrough, come through that glass ceiling, or would just wouldn't it be just fantastic if you had four Munster teams in the the top tier of the Irish football in the next two or three seasons?
1: Yeah, the,
2: the Cove thing, like, it,
1: look, Watford got a huge investment uh, this year. They invested in an awful lot of players. They, they were they're as good as most of the Premier clubs. This year, uh, and they had probably the the Division One one halfway through the year, but the change that was made to allow only one team to be promoted and two teams be re- or three teams be relegated absolutely ruined Cove season. So you're talking there was only a few hundred at the last game against uh, one of their biggest games of the season, but there was nothing to play for, you know, and, and there was nothing to play from from very early, early on. Um, so how how do you get people in? Like you, you look at that and like the, the goal that was scored by Dave Hurley that day deserved to grace any Um, TV screen across the country it was absolutely unbelievable Um, so so that again comes back to the investment in the game and the promotion of the game and, and getting it I believe wrong um, next year is going to be tough for Cove. You have three premier clubs coming down, three of six or seven that we're just looking at there. Three kind of well-established clubs are going to be coming down and fighting and vying for promotion with Cove, who, who don't have the biggest investment, who don't have the biggest catchment area, but who are doing a mighty fine job of what they have. And I think the, the proof is in the uh, movement of their players from their under seventeen setup through to their under nineteen setup, and it seems to be seamless into their senior setup.
0: Yeah, and I'd be disappointed with the decision to drop three players out or three teams out of the Premier League as well because I think one really important thing for the League of Ireland is that it stays in the regions across Ireland. And if you look at the teams in the relegation spots now, you have Galway in the west, Finn Harps in the northwest, west Drogheda as well, Sligo are right there too. And I suppose the one good thing at least is you do have Watford coming up and they have the investment. I think it was Lee Power who came in as chairman. And he's a former player. He's chairman of Swindon as well. They seem to be doing a good job there. They've recruited well. I know they brought in Kenny Brown. They managed to grab him from Cork City at the last minute. They got in Paddy Barr from Dundalk, from Dundalk. Marco Sullivan again from Cork City. They brought in Aaron Dry- Drynan, who's a Cork City youth player. He was in the, UA- the UEFA Youth League with, with City. And he seems to be going across to Switch now. So mm. Waterford definitely seemed to be on the up, which is a great thing
2: absolutely and congratulations to Waterford on their terrific season uh, we're going to move on and talk about a different Munster now and Munster in the Champions Cup which begins this weekend uh, Steve Johan Vergran 37 year old coach who's a farmers coach with the Springboks has come on board will arrive in Ireland in November and uh, assume responsibilities from Razzie Erasmus did you make of that news this week
0: well I didn't know a lot about him but then again Nobody really knew a lot about him, given that he was, I suppose, in the background of the Springboks. But he seems to be well-received. I mean, Springbok rugby seems to not be particularly happy to have let him go, so that's a good sign. And, I mean, on the broader point, I suppose, is at least to put the folks back on the field, because there has been, I suppose, it's inevitably been a bit of a sideshow when we all knew Erasmus was leaving, and the focus kind of is deflected away from the field then and I suppose at least Munster can go into Europe knowing that they have a new coach maybe you'll have that bounce as well where they have the idea of the new coach is. I know he'll be somewhere in the world watching the TV but he will be in the stands later in the season and there is someone to impress there to keep a place in the team so I mean it's a good news story from that point of view but I mean as far as Van Gran is concerned I suppose only time will tell how much he
2: brings to it given that it is his first Head coaching the world too, Mikey. He's very highly, highly regarded. Um, of course, he had a, a really positive spell with the Bulls in the Super Rugby as well. So there's a huge there's a huge clamour now for for Munster to kick on, having built a bit on, on Erasmus's season last year, and he's going to be around to help smooth the transition. What can they expect? What can Munster supporters expect this year during the Champions? Cup Pool Four, with the likes of Cast, Leicester, and Racing—it's a tricky group.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's very similar actually to the group that I had last year's uh, competition. Um, look, look, I think we saw the game um, last weekend against Leinster. Uh, I don't think they were still firing on all cylinders, but there was signs that they're playing—I won't say a more expansive style—but there's a, definitely a bit more variety in the game than what they brought to the to their campaign last year. Uh, again, being brought through by Erasmus. Um, it is a shame to see him going Um, I thought he during the Axel Foley thing last year um, and the sad passing of Axel that he represented Munster um, incredibly well throughout Mm -hmm. the whole thing Um, and he spoke with dignity and he understood the situation and he just seemed to get the Munster culture and that is a vital thing when you're talking to Munster this this Munster culture thing takes on a whole life of its own but it is nearly a tangible um, asset to Munster um you, you, you saw Reggie Corrigan last week question Peter Armani on commitment of his of the players and Peter Manny just stopped. He, you know, the, the it was one of the most awkward few minutes of live mm. TV you'll get off TV you'll get, but he questioned the commitment of Munster players. And and some other if you do in soccer or GA you, you'll you get a response, but that was something you just don't question. Erasmus seemed to get that. Um so it'll be very interesting to transition um period to Van Gaan will be Will be crucial. Um, I think they'll have two games played and a number of other Pro 14 uh, games played before he takes control. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he can come in and hit the ground running, and hopefully Munster over the next uh, their first two games in the Champions Cup, which are against the two French clubs, I believe, um, if they can pick up definitely a in a way losing bonus point and a win at home, uh, it it steads them in good in good fashion. I think they'll obviously be going out to look for two wins, um, and are more than capable with the quality that they have. Um, of getting those two wins um, with their full strength team on the pitch and I know Z was back now again this weekend um, I think they went out last weekend and they kind of played there was three playmakers there it was it was a, a, wor- a worthwhile exercise um, given that it was the week before and you have to try these things because you just never know with injuries and suspensions what way it's going to come out for you but look I, I think you'll definitely be looking for progression in the Champions Cup and to be there or thereabouts at the end of the year come to
2: Pro 14 Steve, in Pool 1, you've Harlequins, La Ulster and Wasps and the other Irish team obviously involved in the, the primary European tournament, Leinster with Exeter, Glasgow and Montpellier. Of the Irish teams, of those three particular teams involved in the, in the Champions Cup, is there any particular one of the three that you could see really making inroads in the competition this year? Well, I suppose
0: when you're looking at the groups, you maybe look at Leinster's group, is still tough but... There might be a slightly easier pathway there I suppose the great thing for Munster is they came through a very similar pool last year and were very impressive but it's hard to see Rassing bring so little to it as they did last year so it will be very tough for them to get through but I suppose like last year Munster and Leinster both impressed but ultimately came up against really strong forces in the semi-finals and it's going to be a huge task to try and I suppose topple the giants that are there with Saracens in particular but Probably Leinster did go closest of all last year, so they will have a good shot.
1: Yeah, and look, and just I, I actually think uh, out, of, out of the three Irish teams in the Champions Cup, I, I, I'd expect an awful lot from, again, Munster and Leinster. Are they good enough, I don't believe, to win it? I don't believe so. But again, you'll be looking to get to the semi-final and go from there.
2: Excellent stuff. My many thanks to Mikey Sheehan, Stephen Barry, and Rob McNamara for today's contributions to Paper Talk Extra. We'll be back again next week. Have a great weekend.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.